0: These are my Toby Maguire from tracks.
1: <laughs> 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 New special episode Toby Maguire. Yeah, exposed. <laughs> exposed.
0: Hello.
1: And welcome to I Hate Your Movie, a movie podcast where me and Dan inflict movies upon each other for entertainment purposes. That's Hello From Me.
0: Hello From Me.
1: This week we watched Babylon, the 2022 film that no one's heard of. Apparently. Yeah, it's amazing to me that nobody's heard of this film. You go up to anyone that isn't really into films and you say, oh, Babylon, it's got, you know, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. They're like, oh, what? I've never heard of that. I'm not that surprised.
0: Uh, really? I've... Yeah, because it's 2022 film. And I feel like it was still kind of
1: caught in the whirlpool of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the advertising was also crap. So the advertising was based on two things and two things alone. One was Margot Robbie's sexy dancing and then at the very end of the trailer was Brad Pitt doing his pratfall. You know when he's standing on the table with okay. like, that <laughs> and I think for the trailer they actually edited it in that like, and then him falling off the thing like it was supposed to be some weird like, comedy.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But okay. it didn't say anything about what the film was actually about. It cost $110 million to make. So as of now I believe has only made sixty-three million back. That's including cinema release, video on demand, and everything.
0: Yeah, and the budget doesn't include the marketing. <laughs> what marketing? <laughs> the, <laughs> well, that trailer that
1: they got the intern to slap together.
0: <laughs> well, maybe they spent ten million on it, but there's ten million more
1: of loss. Mm. One of the main reasons I recommended this film is not because I really like it, and it's not because like I thought it was a film that you would hate or like. Or I just wanted your opinion on it. Because you're the theme guy. And some of this on my first viewing went over my head. On the second viewing, I understood it a bit better. Mm -hmm. But it's like this really wild story that shoots off in random directions with random people, random characters. And I wanted to see what your opinion was, whether it made sense to you overall. So question is, what did you think of the movie?
0: My one sentence review is... (laughs) (laughs) This is a better Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah!
1: The biggest problems I have with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is it's too long. And not enough happens in it to warrant its length. It is too long, yeah. And it gets very indulgent in that 70s culture. Like I felt every minute of that film. But with Babylon, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Because something's always going on in Babylon.
0: Yeah. I feel like Babylon is more focused on what he's trying to say, kind of. It it juts out into different directions. It's, again, I always say this, but probably this is more true than ever before. I love this movie. Yay! But it has a giant, giant asterisk, like a meteoric (laughs) asterisk coming towards Earth. is about to hit us.
1: So, I mean, one of the reasons I didn't like this when I first watched it, because I watched it in the cinema, that was last year, and one of the main reasons I didn't like it is because it's part of this thing that a lot of films seem to be doing at the time—that is kind of like this ode to cinema. Yeah. This once upon a time in Hollywood, Empire of Lights, which I haven't seen. La La Land. Okay. From the same director. Set in the world of Hollywood, and it's very in. Like if you're in the scene and you know what it is, then it's very oh my god I remember that guy and oh my god that actress at the background looks like this famous actress from that film. Blah blah blah.
0: I don't even think is that. It's more of putting old Hollywood onto a pedestal. Yeah. As like oh, the good old days and I I hate that. The as well. golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. Massive air quotes. And and it's kind of you feel like that those kind of movies are made for old Hollywood Academy members. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why
1: I don't like them. And they all praise each other and they all think they're the best films ever made. But anyone outside of that scene looking in doesn't get as much from it as they do. Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: This movie has an element of that, I think. But it's not as overwhelming. Yeah, it, it far more
1: shows kind of like the darker side.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. I like the first half of this movie much better than the second half.
1: Okay. I will agree with that statement as well. I don't like the downfall of like the main character. Yeah,
0: it's kind of intentional because the movie is structured in this way where the first half is showing the good old times and the, yeah. and the roaring 20s and, you know, everyone's good and all the actors are getting paid great money. And it starts with a giant party and the second half starts with the introduction of sound into cinema and everyone's being awkward all the time so it is somewhat intentional but has this effect where it's a stop and go it had a really good pace first half and then the pace gets a bit choppy on the
1: second half yeah for sure for those that don't know this film again like you say pictures of the roaring 20s and it takes cinema from silent movies into what they call talkies yeah People can talk. But in the background as well, it's the first implementation of the Hayes Code. Do you know what the Hayes Code is? No. So I looked this up. It's quite interesting. So in about 1930s, the filmmaking scene had this really bad reputation for being like hedonistic and like very much the parties in like the start of the film. Maybe not to that extreme, but they happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was going into the films. There was like some nudity in that thing. And there was about all of the states started cropping up with their own laws of what could go into cinema and Mm -hmm. what couldn't. And the industry said, right, we're going to follow all those rules, but we're going to do it ourselves. They created a censorship module for themselves, and it was made by William H. Hayes and that's why it's known as the Hays Code, but it's the Motion Picture Production Code. And that dictated what could and couldn't be put into film, and it really cracked down. Profanity, nudity, drugs, slavery, venereal diseases, (laughs) scenes of childbirth, ridicule of the clergy, willful offence to any nation, race, or creed, which is interesting because the last one is miscegenation, which, so even though it says, like, you can't be offensive to any race or creed, you also can't show any sexual relation or marital partnership between two people of different races. Oh, uh, okay. Which kind of contradicts itself highly. There's do nots and be carefuls. That's mm-hmm. the two parts of the rule. So you have to be careful with the use of the flag, international relations, arson, the use of firearms, <laughs> theft, robbery, and safe cracking, right? Having in the mi- mind the effect which too detailed description what might have upon the moron. Okay. <laughs> if you detail safe cracking too well. Yeah. And then okay. someone might go out and do it. Same with okay. explosions. Have they ever mentioned that in a the movie? They didn't mention it in the movie, but it plays a massive part in the movie mm. because later when they meet like Toby Maguire's character and he's like, Oh, this is the only place you can have fun now because they implemented that on screen but it really bled into the whole scene at the time. Mm -hmm. Like a a few right-wing politicians got into power and they really cracked down on it just having fun in general. Mm -hmm.
0: You mentioned that you wanted to watch a movie.
1: Yes. Based on this. So there was loads of things online. And if you research into this film, a lot of people comparing the two. And this is an incredibly dark retelling of a certain film. Can you guess that film? He's watching the film in the final scene. When, oh, he, yeah. when he's at the cinema. Which, oh, he watches a bunch of stuff. Uh, no, he watches one film. Oh, Singing in the Rain. It is Singing in the Rain. It's an okay. re- incredibly dark retelling of Singing in the Rain. But when he watches the film at the end, all the scenes in Singing in the Rain are scenes from previously in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's like a dark storytelling of his life that got made into Singing in the Rain.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Wow. <laughs> Just get into the film. So, starts with the party.
0: Uh, I have so many already I have so many things to say
1: (laughs) so in front of me now is Dan and he's got a notepad that notepad is pretty much filled with notes on Babylon I mean it is a three-hour film so you do have a lot of time to write but I've never seen Dan turn the page (laughs) so many times he was literally writing for pretty much the whole three hours and he has a million notes
0: I have a million notes, and I had to go back to some (laughs) and and add to things. And then most of them sound like dissertations on uh, uh, race
1: relations. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: there's a lot going on in this movie. Oh, let's talk about the elephant
1: first. The elephant scene. Oh, yes. I loved it. The very first elephant (laughs) scene. Oh, my God. I remember watching that in the cinema with a bunch of people around me. And... (laughs) The start is really funny when it, they're like, oh yeah, I'm here to transport a horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what? No, it's like an elephant. Yeah, one <laughs> large horse, right? No, it's an elephant. <laughs> so as they're
0: trying to push it up the hill, the elephant shits everywhere and on everything and yeah. on everyone. And it fills up the camera lens as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. Like, wow, like, wow. And it just stays like that. The camera stays like that for yeah. a while.
1: always completely covered with shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. What do you reckon the choice was on that one? So the choice was to
0: contrast the main guy's money, right? Yeah. I think it was to establish two things. His kind of rise.
1: He yeah. starts literally by shoveling shit.
0: Yeah, because he has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way of showing he starts from the bottom. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Second one, which was much more intriguing to me, is kind of the start of the theme of minorities in Hollywood doing all the work while the white people just come in for the photo and smile. Okay. Unfortunately, this theme doesn't get carried over to the second half, but it's so strong in the first half, it was my favorite thing. Okay. And there's lots of examples which we'll go into. Fair enough. There's lots of, like, this movie is very aware of white privilege, And kind of the role of minorities were back in that time. That's why I signed on everything I wrote down. Sounds like a dissertation. (laughs) That's cool. Except my next note, which is muff dancing. Muff dancing. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's a crazy party. Also, I was thinking, so I read it on IMDb Trivia, this was filmed during COVID. Really? Yeah. Like, at least two variants came from that part. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> you remember, like, COVID films we had to watch, like Men. Where everyone's... Everyone's sitting across the room from each other. <laughs> yeah, And they're talking to each other. And this was just like, fuck it. Just fuck everything. <laughs> everyone's fucking. Everyone's riding in each other. It was kind of amazing. And it, and it, it starts with a giant one like to Yeah. Like one-shot. Which is a genuine one-shot
1: without hidden cuts. I was impressed. Or are they so well hidden that you didn't know? Eh, I don't know. I can usually tell. Okay. It's a really impressive opening scene. Even if it isn't one... Shot just to get that many extras to do all of these wild things all at the same time. Yeah. While there's a band playing. I mean they're probably not actually playing. There's so many things going on. Yeah. There's a clown party, there's a little person
0: entertainer, there's (laughs) singing, there's black people jazzing, there's everything.
1: Yeah. There's just too many things going on. People doing coke off of each other's naked bodies and Yeah. Do you think those things actually happened? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean I always think like somewhere
0: in the world that is probably happening like millionaires well now now it is but like in the 20s ah people have always been there was some stuff in this movie that felt like that wouldn't happen and that wasn't the party there was things like when people say hell yeah and things like that sometimes it's like "Uh," that doesn't feel right (laughs) and it's just like full of gags full of funny moments yeah like at one point
1: there's someone hanging off the balcony (laughs) did you notice that as well yeah it's like a real Where's Waldo. That's exactly what I was just thinking. That's exactly what I was just thinking, When you get the like, extra page in the Where's Wally books. And it's like, find the man hanging off the balcony. Yeah, find the dancing muff. <laughs> find the woman peeing on the guy. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, So, a few times in this film, I heard you audibly laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all
0: intentional. It was all funny things, funny gags. It's funny, the edited stuff. Like
1: with good comic timing. Yeah, yeah. There's a big one later mm-hmm. when they put sound into film. That oh we'll get yeah, to. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first time I heard you laugh in this yeah. is when Nelly Leroy first comes into the film, mm-hmm. and she crashes into a statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess
0: because don't expect those old timey cars to crash, <laughs> you know, and like this, this uh, very down-to-earth woman (laughs) to come out (laughs) let's just say that i complained by the way i don't know if it's on the podcast or anything i complained that this is another margot robbie film margot robbie is margot Margot robbie is phenomenal in this film yeah yeah she said it's the hardest she's ever worked Uh, has i can see she comes across in interviews like a... I don't know if she's religious. I'm just saying she comes across like a good Christian woman. Okay. She's very, like, held back. In this movie, you know, critics say this about women performers sometimes, and it's a bit cringe, but this one is genuinely true. She was fearless. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's the common word that I see when... Like, yeah, it's, and it's,
0: of... it's super overused, but I think this it fits here. She was super fearless.
1: This is where they, she meets Manny for the first time because he's outside having a smoke from the pie, Yeah. And she's claiming to be someone and the bouncer's like, you're not that person.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like me walking up to a door and claiming to be Brad Pitt. Yeah. And they're like, no.
0: I think for her, is more her accent, her Jersey accent, which mm-hmm. is quite prominent. Plus, you, you can kind of just tell that she's
1: not like a high society kind of woman. And when she meets Manny, there's a thing that goes throughout the film and a few people say it, not just her. He's questioning her like, oh, you're a star. She's like, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, what have you been in? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're either a star or you aren't. Yeah. Yeah, it's whether or not you've been found. I feel like this is how actually people get to start
0: them sometimes, which is their giant egos. Yeah. Just rise to such an extreme that they or fearless in that way, and some other people start to see them that way as well. Fake it till you make it. That's a good way to summarise it. There's lots of weird parallels with this movie, and, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, some scenes are straight the same. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we'll get into it. But this one, I I wrote down an Inglorious Bastards reference, because, I don't know if you remember, in Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt, he's a spy, the Americans, and he pretends to be an Italian guy, (laughs) Really? Yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. He goes to this party and he's ousted because someone speaks Italian. And he doesn't. (laughs) And he says, (laughs) Buongiorno. The way he says it is hilarious. (laughs) Arrivederci. Arrivederci. And in this movie as well, he speaks Italian and is a fake kind of,
1: Is it? Italian trend going on I guess it must be I don't know I didn't really understand again this is one of those if you know you know kind of things maybe there was kind of like this Italian I can cinema. imagine it yeah
0: as later there was a Hungarian and they kind of acknowledging that there was a brief period in Hollywood where Bela Lugosi and that kind of stuff Hollywood was uh, obsessed with Hungarians so maybe before that time they Bela were
1: Lugosi Hungarian yeah really yeah
0: I hoped he would show up because he's right in that time 1931 Dracula Brad Pitt gets a
1: divorce <laughs> by speaking Italian, yeah. So he's sitting in the car speaking Italian, yeah. I'm not sure if it's actual Italian or not. It sounded like it, a... yeah. Spaghetti Ravioli. Buongiorno. Yeah, that's that's
0: <laughs> the impression I got. Is that he just speaks words that he knows.
1: Okay, because he said "buono, buono" things like that, and <laughs> <laughs> If you speak one more word of Italian, I'm going to divorce you. Was that Olivia Wilde? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Was surprisingly a surprisingly small role. She's more of a director now than a, an actress. Mm-hmm. I think she came back for Noel Bumbach. Don't know how you say his name. Noel Bumbach. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> how do you know, do? You know his name? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Oh God. So how do you say that? Baumbach. That's what I said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like another rap coming. (laughs)
1: In this scene, you get introduced to so many characters. Mm. To be honest, it's a little bit overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Especially um, because, like, in the background, there's still, like, the basketball balldo going on. Yeah. I love this one scene. I'm not sure if it's this bit or a little bit later, when he's talking to someone, and then it's, just like, a cow. Walks yeah, past in the background. I think I laughed at that too.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think it was edited too, like that where they have a dramatic pause and then the cow comes yeah. by. <laughs> yeah, this movie is a mix of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's a fair fair point. Yeah, because like especially this party is reminded me of so much of Wolf of Wall Street. Like, the, the little person entertainer with, like, a giant balloon dick. <laughs> uh, uh, they shoot him out of a cannon or something.
1: I think so, yeah. Something
0: like that. Exactly that happens in Wolf of
1: Wall Street. Another good Margot Robbie film.
0: I've never seen her be bad in anything.
1: She's just in too many things.
0: She's just in too many things. She's getting to the Chris Pratt line of why is she going to be Mario next? Oh, I don't think it's that bad because Chris Pratt is very, like, one-dimensional. Yeah, just in terms of exposure
1: mm-hmm. it was like give, give other people a chance <laughs> <laughs> but the difference with Margot Robbie is they gave other people a chance it would probably be worse like Emma Stone was originally meant to be the turn. and there's no way that would have been anywhere near as good I
0: mean I've never seen her do anything like that before that's for sure so I can't tell but I've seen her act good <laughs> 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 you could have had her twin sister
1: her twin sister yeah Samara Weaving, she's so, in this.
0: I know, that's what I was going to say. That <laughs> when Samara Weaving shows up, I thought that was Margot Robbie again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no way. I thought she was in dual rose and the internet said they thought the same thing.
1: Yeah, apparently they do come up in a lot of familiar faces... People who look I thought familiar. when
0: they were shooting that film, I thought, oh, is she in, like playing dual roles? Or is this like a cut and she's playing a different I character? I never
1: thought that was the same person. So, so much happens in this. In <laughs> yeah, the, like, too much. We're, we're still in like the first like 10 minutes of we the film. Haven't,
0: we haven't seen the title yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you look up how far into the film the title? I do know. Should I guess?
1: Yeah, have a guess.
0: I think it's 15 minutes. Higher. Ooh, 20 minutes. Higher. 25 minutes higher.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> How long, Jesus? 34 minutes into the film <laughs> Okay, wow. is when you see the title's credits. The title. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Wow. What did you think of the title? Well, Babylon? Yeah. Yeah, it made sense. How does it make sense to you? I'm curious. I suppose it doesn't, if I really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a biblical reference, because according to the Bible, which is not a very reliable source, uh, Babylon... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> there goes our American audience. <laughs> Babylon was the first civilization on Earth, mm-hmm. and the big story in the Bible is they tried to build this tower of Babel that to reach heaven. Yeah, and God was like, "Fuck you for working together and trying to reach me." So gave he ca- everyone different languages. Gave everyone different languages. If that's a reference to that, I thought like it was quite clever. I just
1: think it's just common, like the Babylon falls. Yeah, I guess it could be called Rome as well. It had
0: that undertones to I quite like that because the movie. Especially the first half is quite racially aware.
1: Not the second half. I think the second half is is more... The second
0: half too, but the focus shifts from that to the more generic fall of Hollywood, I think.
1: Yeah. On that subject, one of the most powerful things is Sidney Palmer's journey. Sydney oh Palmer's yeah, the, the trumpeter.
0: The trumpeter. Yes. You know, that was the one big thing in the second half. And in the first half, there's lots of little things like that. Okay. That I liked. For example, in this party, yep. every entertainer is a minority. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the black jazz people, Asian lesbian singing lady.
1: <laughs> Asian lesbian singing lady. Well, I don't remember now. Lady Faye is lady her Faye. name.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's important that she's Asian in this context. It she is. is. Yeah. Oh, the minorities provide the entertainment, and uh, somehow the white people get the, all the credit for it. Oh, he threw a great party.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you hire a DJ for your party; <laughs> you've still thrown a great party. I know, but if you book all the entertainment, do all the food, drink, extra things,
0: then yeah. It was just one one little thing where it stood out to me.
1: Okay. There's more later. We mentioned before that's how Nelly Leroy and Manny meet. Mm-hmm. Did you know from this point how it would go for them? Did no. you get the vibe of the film, like how it's going to end? No at all. No?
0: I, I loved it. I, okay. like, I, I have no idea what's was going to happen. I mean, they they do say when they're in the drug room, <laughs> because yeah. there's a separate room for drugs.
1: Um, They've literally got piles of drugs. Like yeah. Literally piles and piles. Like <laughs> There's like seven piles of drugs and they're like, yeah. that's coke, that's weed, that's this. <laughs> They say, oh, we, we're
0: going to be stars or whatever.
1: Yeah, they both dream of being in Hollywood. He, yeah. he dreams of being on a movie set just to see it and experience it, and she dreams of like starring. Yeah, in
0: even, even with that, I had no idea where I was going. Really? Yeah, even with that, because there was lots of ambiguity for me.
1: By the end of the night, they both get what they want. Mm-hmm. Manny goes to his boss and he's like, oh, if you got anything on movie sets, you know let me in and his boss is immediately like no you're where you're meant to be yeah and then like a few hours later he happens to take jack conrad home and conrad takes a liking to him and i think it's cool yeah <laughs> like, he, he
0: takes care of jack conrad yeah Brad yeah. Pitt's character
1: yeah they just the, the parallel between them two how they both start at the very bottom and then she explodes onto the scene and he slowly builds up
0: yeah i felt like that was intentional too yeah where he comes from subservience And Nelly just comes from life. I feel like they alluded that she was a sex worker. Okay. I didn't didn't But like there's still a significant difference because she is white. Okay. Because Manny still struggles for a while. And even though he works in movies, he's kind of like the I don't know the bitch. Yeah, the bitch, yeah. Bitch. yeah. <laughs> the p- not. I don't have a better way to put it.
1: The party ends when the elephant comes into the room yeah. and everybody's running around screaming because they use the elephant as a distraction.
0: Yeah.
1: Again, it's really clever because it's so overlapping mm-hmm. and it's so coincidental but you can see it playing out because the actress is supposed to be on set ODs and they need to get out of the building and they just pick one random person out of the crowd and Margot is there like touching herself on a table or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, she's very, very erotically dancing.
1: Yeah, and she's like, oh, she's on set, and then they're trying to get this OD lady out of the thing, so they let the elephant into the main yeah. hall. <laughs> as a distraction. Yeah. 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 And again, is that a one-shot as well? Because that's really clever. It spins around the room, shows Manny like, looking out the door, mm-hmm. spins around, shows the band that are still playing, mm-hmm. then shows people like screaming and running, and then as it spins like 270 degrees, maths, you then see them like, Taking her out of the room. Mm-hmm.
0: I love how after the party's done, everyone's just tired and there's like people just hang around and sleep <laughs> on the stairs. And that's <laughs> very real.
1: There's a bit in this I didn't catch on to when I first watched it. At the end of this scene, while everyone's asleep and passed out, Nellie LeRoy is in the corner of the room playing cards.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Which is like a foreshadowing of what's going to happen later. Yeah,
0: it would have been cool to notice that for me too. Later, it does feel like it's out an over, but I guess it wasn't.
1: Yeah, the main opening scene has this band playing. And it's just fantastic music. Yes. I'm not a big fan of jazz. What was the film you mentioned? Bad Drumming Teacher? No, no, no. It's the one that had jazz in the background all the time. Oh, Birdman. uh, Birdman. Birdman. Where it's just noise. Yeah. And that's what I think of when I think of jazz. It's just people playing over each other in this kind of like cacophony of noise. Yeah.
0: I felt like sometimes it was inappropriate to use it.
1: Yeah, We'll get into it towards the end. So there's two songs I listen to very very often from this soundtrack. I think one of them's Voodoo Mama, which is her dance scene. Yeah. And the other one is Welcome, very first song.
0: Poppy, jazzy, kind of happy music, kind of undercut, more serious moments.
1: I felt the music shifted to yeah.
0: like... I guess we'll get into it, that's, that's towards the end for me. Okay, I like it, yeah, no, it was really fun. So we go on the movie set, multiple movie sets. Yeah, I was not aware that they shot movies like that without sound. I was very confused at what's happening. <laughs> at yeah, there the things were
1: like seven movie sets, and I didn't understand why. Like they're in the desert.
0: Well, that could make sense, like space reasons. They didn't have studio. Okay, but like there's silent movies, but there's obviously
1: music. I didn't understand that either.
0: And they're very close together, so the music, if they're recording that, they would bleed out to the other set. Mm-hmm. So I think what was happening is that they were playing the music for the actors yeah so to react or to kind of be in rhythm for okay I trust that they've done their research yeah kind of but they do say hell yeah and fuck yeah and motherfucker this well and that. I mean
1: um, just because the hate code was in screen you couldn't say or do those things. No, I'm it doesn't just, mean that people in I'm not saying that
0: the swearing is an outlace I'm saying specifically the words hell yeah feels like nobody would have said that
1: in the 20s You think? Yeah,
0: I think that's a very recent thing.
1: Jack Conrad, you know when he's kind of like riffing different bits and movie Uh, sets, like a lot of what he says is like famous quotes from other films. Yes, hasta la vista. Yeah, he says hasta la vista. And then, frankly, my dear, you're a cunt.
0: Oh yeah, that was it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is where the kind of this race relations really come into effect. This is my favourite scenes exploring that. So Manny comes to the set and they give him an impossible job, which is they're supposed to shoot this war scene and all the extras who are like crackheads yeah. in armor are unwilling to shoot anymore. Uh, they want pay, something like that.
1: They want more pay. Yeah. They want
0: more pay. And Manny is like rounds that are up like a cowboy. <laughs> 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 um,
1: cows. You missed a bit. You missed a bit where he walks up to them and it shows them it's this massive, like, crowd, yeah. like a horde of zombies. Yeah, there's loads. And of them. he's like, um, excuse me, can, can you please please get back to work? And the crowd's like, get him! <laughs> <laughs> and then Conrad's talking to the producer, and you see in the background of him running away yeah. versus this massive crowd of people chasing him. And they're just having this normal, oh, how was your day? Yeah, We're probably going to film later. <laughs>
0: now, that's perfectly to my point, is that... The minority is led to handle all the dirty work, while the white people get to just come in for the applause. And that's also true for these extras. They're all like crackheads and kind of white trash kind of people. They are also disposable. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just really interesting this, like, the shot juxtaposes that to me, which is many can handle this shit and they can't. And he's the real talent.
1: I think they just throw him in a situation and get him to prove himself. Yeah. Like, I think I got the vibe that a lot of people have gone through that, Mm -hmm. regardless of where they came from. And that's kind of how everyone in the cinema industry makes it. You just start off doing the absolute worst shit nobody else wants to do until you get an opportunity to move up.
0: Well, I don't want to jump too much ahead, but this whole kind of scene is very juxtaposed with the very last scene in this segment. They do all this shit and Manny gets the camera and he, through odds, Manny saves the film. And then all Jack Conrad has to do is come in for a kiss. (laughs) And that's it. That's all he does.
1: Yeah, but like, doesn't that speak to more, like, how it always is with actors and like the other thousand or so people that work on every film? Yeah. The actor, like Margot Robbie, we've spoken about Margot Robbie dozens of times in this. How many times have we ever mentioned cinematographers? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know?
0: You're right. It was around that time and racism was quite prevalent. Yeah. I, I, I was more aware of it.
1: I don't know. I think this film kind of shied away from it. Really. In a lot of ways, at that time, you probably would have had people speak, like, saying a lot of, like, derogatory words. And there's none of that in this film, you know? And there's no kind of, like, you know, apart from the way they treat Nelly LeRoy for being common, Mm -hmm. there's never a point in Manny's journey where it feels like he's singled out or, you know...
0: He is singled out.
1: For being, like for, this for being, because he's a newbie, he's the servant. It doesn't mention. I mean, I mean, you got to kind of read between the lines, and it is yeah. probably, you know, yeah, in, in the writer's mind, it is that. Yeah. But I think they could have got a lot more kind of like when he goes to the boss and he says, "Can I work on movie sets?" And the boss says, "No." Mm-hmm. The boss doesn't mm-hmm. say this in derogatory word. <laughs> Your place is here, derogatory word, yeah, which but... is which is. If you wanted to make that point, you could have done it that way, when, and they didn't. So that's why I think it shies away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people early twenties that would have. Oh my god! The, the, some of <laughs> yeah. the things that would have been said. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you because they're portraying that as fairly accurate. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't agree with you. Okay. I feel like this movie is too subtle for that and it's too clever for that. To, okay. to like outright do the racism and I feel like this movie portrays minorities as useful for entertainment plus like labor yeah and it's quite juxtaposed with the what the white people do. It's I think that would be
1: true if Manny doesn't become so successful because he becomes incredibly successful.
0: He does but like how many
1: steps does he have to
0: take compared to Nelly?
1: Yeah, but Nelly's an actress, she just gets found and blows up, that happens.
0: I wish I was better arguing. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so clear to me. But not that it is the focus of the movie, but it's like the dividing mm-hmm. lines to me are so clear between race relations, even though they don't say the N-word or whatever. It's a realistic portrayal where probably in Hollywood, even in the 20s, probably it was a liberal place compared to everywhere else. So they wouldn't have just been hateful for hateful reasons. Mm-hmm. But they would have definitely looked down on minorities and used them for their purposes.
1: One of the things that shows kind of a little bit of what you're talking about is when they find the dead guy. Oh, yeah. The dead guy on set. So they have a break and everyone's like sitting around drinking tea or whatever. Yeah. And there's a guy who's completely been impaled by a spike yeah. <laughs> from one of the extras. <laughs> yeah. And they go, oh, well, you know, he um yeah, he's had problems. He must have done it to himself. <laughs> It's this giant pole axe, yeah, yeah, yeah sticking yeah. out of him.
0: Again, disposable people, and what you say might not be inaccurate. It's just you're viewing it as more of a class divide, and yeah. then there is that. There is that for sure as well. I think that's an addition, and that's why all those extras, you know,
1: I got more class divide than mm-hmm. because because all the extras. They're white as well.
0: But I don't think that defeats my point. No. It kind of works together. I think
1: we got different percentages. I think yeah. I'm like, I see an 80% class, 20% the other, and you see it the other way around.
0: I would say 60-40. Okay. It's just because of the main character is a POC, Person of Color.
1: Okay. By the way, so Damien Chazelle, is that the guy the director's name?
0: Uh, I guess so. <laughs> you have the things
1: Damon Chazelle spent two years looking for Manny Ooh. so the guy who plays Manny is Diego Calva he's great yeah, yeah he was brilliant
0: yeah especially towards the end he gets more to do
1: so on the same movie set yeah Nellie Leroy is catching her big break yeah What I found interesting about this is she gets put on this set and it's just... I don't know what it is, what the film they're trying to film. It's basically a woman being sexy in a bar. Yeah. But what I found interesting is the director was a woman. Yeah. In Uh, this scene. It's based on a real person. It is based on a real person. Inventor of the boom (laughs) mic.
0: Which is... I wish they would have put that in the movie. That would have been funny. At least just like a throwaway line towards the end. That
1: scene when they're trying to film sound.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I think being a director wasn't as coveted job as in like today okay i think it was more just part of the crew we elevated that later
1: do you know who Nellie Leroy is based on Clara Bow so she has a lot of things in common with Nellie Leroy it's in some ways it's very loosely based in some ways it's very close mm-hmm. to home so Clara also had a mother that was put in a mental asylum hmm because her mum had an accident where she hit her head and Mm. she was diagnosed with psychotic episodes brought on by epilepsy. So Clara Bowes upbringing was kind of like what you get a hint of in this film. Kind of like very abusive mother. Clara Bow kind of woke up one morning and her mum was holding a knife to her throat and they had a fight. This was like 16 years old. Uh And then she became this huge movie star. Mm -hmm. Like the highest grossing actress of her time. She could also do what we first introduced in this scene. She could just cry on command. Yeah. From one side, the other side, she could just cry on command. From the ear. (laughs) (laughs) From the nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a really sad moment in this thing, by the way. The director asks Nellie Leroy how she can just cry on command. Mm-hmm. Remember what she says? I'm thinking of home. Yeah, I just think of home.
0: Little nitpick. Nitpick time. Oh, It's nitpick time with Daniel. <laughs> um, they rewatch some of the footage. Everyone fights and then Brad Pitt comes in for a kiss. That's the only thing he has to do the whole day.
1: Yeah, there's, there's more to it than that. They send... Manny off for a camera yeah. and he steals an ambulance and brings it back yeah. like, like five minutes before the sun sets and everyone's really jittery to get this scene and what, in the hours that Manny's been getting the camera Brad Pitt just gets horrendously drunk Yes, <laughs> comes out the tent and he can barely stand and, and this is a really funny scene where he's climbing the hill mm-hmm. and people are just like pushing him up this <laughs> hill and he keeps falling over and then the camera rolls mm-hmm. and he's suddenly like standing and he's proper and he acts it
0: yeah, as a professional
1: professional actor all of a sudden
0: and we see the actual kind of silent film what it would have looked like mm-hmm. I'm very disappointed that that was an effect and not actually filmed with some oh, crap come
1: life. on come on you have to do it if no you... you don't I despise films that take that you can, what I, you, there's no point in it no point whatsoever. You represent it to the audience, and the audience understand.
0: If this director is, is really good as he is, he should've
1: kind of... Pulled a camera out of a museum and yeah. filmed on it. Oh. Yeah. There's cameras that float around like that. Definition of pretentious.
0: <laughs> no. It's just... Error accurate. Not this HD video that they put a, a scratches filter on and the black and white filter on. I couldn't agree less. Boo. but I was very disappointed
1: there would be no benefit to that
0: it would have looked more legitimate so? well that just adds to the realism of the film
1: (laughs) the realism of the film
0: yeah well it's, it's, it's little things like that that add realism to the film it's little details like how the street looks how this looks how the people dress and things like that and part of that is how cinema looked at the time okay yeah,
1: yeah, I want an argument. No, you definitely didn't. <laughs> <though.
0: I'm> just... <laughs> Can I just have this
1: one? <laughs> Where are we? The second scene. <laughs> <laughs> Great. The, the second scene of this three-hour film is where we're at. I can't believe we complained so much
0: that Suspiria is like two and a half hours. This is like three hours.
1: Yeah, it's because Suspiria is two, hour, two and a half hours of nonsense. Whereas this, some things actually happen. So, Nelly Leroy goes and watches her film in the cinema.
0: Yes. I've got something to say about that. Yeah.
1: People love it because she is all sexy. Yeah. But why is it red? It's like really red on the screen. I don't know. It, for black and white is like defined by its blackness and its whiteness not being red.
0: Maybe because it was like slightly pornographic. And uh, there's like that was like the signifying colour. Maybe. What... Stood out to me is that it's the exact same scene from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> with oh, Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah, she goes to see her own film. Not only that she goes to see her own film, she gets stopped and people <laughs> don't believe that it's her. <laughs> Both films. What the fuck? The only difference is that there's no foot fetish in that. Like uh, in Once Upon a Time a in Hollywood, Margot Robbie don't put her dirty, dirty feet up. <laughs> on the cinema seats, I can't believe that happened again. <laughs> I don't think, honestly, it just speaks the more of how many Margot Robbie films in there. <laughs> like, something must
1: repeat itself. Do you reckon it's going to be... You know, have you ever seen those memes of The Rock where he's wearing the same shirt in The Jungle before <laughs> Four Things? This is collection of films where Margot Robbie gets rejected from a cinema <laughs> while trying to watch her own film. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we meet her father, played by Eric Roberts, the B-movie legend Eric Roberts, <laughs> Eric Roberts is in so much crap. Some legitimate movies like Dark Knight, uh, he's one of the mafia bosses. Mm-hmm. He's in so much crap. People complain about like um, Nicolas Cage, they accept everything. Eric Roberts accepts everything. He's in uh, D.B. Cooper versus Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and things like that, which is just a softcore gay porn. <laughs>
1: You can see Nellie Leroy's career taking off. She seems to be in a lot of films with like Samara Weaving's character. Yeah. You see her icing her nipples between takes, <laughs> which is... A, I can't remember. I did read, but there was an actress that was famous for doing it in between takes.
0: Okay. I mean, again, I don't want to take away from the realism of this movie, but it felt like a bit too much for me. Like, this would have been, like, an outrage. And I guess it was, because of the Hayes act. But, like... It's just, surely it wasn't like... But no, when bad. I
1: say it was based on a thing, it was based on someone of their time, of that time yeah, that did that. Yeah, I know,
0: that. but it's just weird to me. Like,
1: there was not a toilet present on the 1960s, The Psycho.
0: That was the first time people seen a toilet on film. Like...
1: I think you're confusing what people want to see with what people don't want to see. I guess like, so. Pe- People don't want to see toilets. I people guess so. do want to
0: see. People were so prudish say back
1: people, then. I people, I say blokes. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> but people were so prude back then. And not these specific people. I know like stars and then they' origins. But I think
1: that's kind of what it, you're talking about. Like, I think it didn't start that way. Mm-hmm. I think this is what led people to being mm-hmm. prudish. Because it wasn't just the Hayes Act. It was, like I said, lots of right-wing politicians came to power. Lots of Christian people came to power at the time. And they instigated a lot of rules. hmm and they instituted a lot of rules that made people seem prudish. Mm -hmm. So at this point you can see kind of like Leroy's stars going up and they send Manny because there's a cinema in New York that's premiering the first ever film with sound. Because (laughs) I skipped a bit. (laughs) They send him to New York because Jack has a conversation with someone in the toilet. And he's yeah. talking. He works for like MGM or works mm-hmm. for Paramount or something. Mm-hmm. They're talking about sound in film. Like, so, do you really think people want sound in their film? And there's this huge shitting sound. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> like, do you really think people want sound in this film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was brilliant,
0: yeah. <laughs> don't care much of the romance aspect. So is this is where Margot, Robbie, and
1: Manny... I think they accidentally meet in New York.
0: Yes, that's what
1: I'm And then saying. this is when they go to see Nellie Leroy's mother. Yeah. And it never says that it's her mother, I don't think. Yeah. Sanatorium. The Mines of Mordor. It was just this the, huge walls. <laughs> they, go, they, they go to visit her in Arkham Asylum. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just felt like they didn't have much chemistry.
1: I got the feeling that was kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Like, he adores her, but she doesn't really care.
0: I didn't get that. I thought that she cares about him deeply, but her being promiscuous and things like that is easier for her than sharing her emotions. Mm-hmm. Like a typical coping mechanism. And because she lets many see her mother, that's her deeply caring about him because she cares about his opinion. So it's almost like they are already together and they're already married. It's just Nelly is very
1: hard to share emotions. I felt like that she just friend zoned him.
0: No, I didn't get that. No. For her, casual sex is easy and sharing your emotions is hard. And that's why I thought they are a couple. I just felt like they didn't have much. Chemistry, and they're supposed to
1: talkies. So now we start to create about the talkies, and yeah. you start. So, obviously, Nellie Leroy's character on silent film, and she's very much based on her looks. And then they try and record her in film, and her thick accent really comes out, and people hate it.
0: Well, are we gonna talk about the really annoying, dragged out first scene? This <laughs> shooting sound, I feel like it could have been shortened a bit. I mean, I, I get it that the whole point is that this is awkward and people are not ready for it and, but like, the problem is they still trying to put some comedic timing into it and because of the awkward
1: nature of it, it, doesn't work anymore. I think it did. Yeah? Yeah, I thought it was funny to see it go horrendously <sighs> I f- wrong.
0: I felt like it could have been shorter. Like, for example, lots of things go wrong because Margot Robbie now has to stand in one specific spot.
1: Do you know how many times they have to break? No. I counted it. It's 15.
0: That's not even bad. It's just they're not used to it because of sound. You know, Stanley Kubrick had like 200 takes sometimes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so 15 is not big. It's just they're used to shooting these movies like quick and cheap and easy because sound wasn't a factor.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's no longer in a field. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's in a studio and they have to figure out things. So I like... It's too loud, the door goes off. She misses her mark, it's too quiet. The door, the door again. (laughs) There's a high-pitched noise, something of her ankle. The lady's got a pin in her ankle and they can hear it. Someone else had squeaky shoes. Oh, okay. Someone else had to wear hard shoes. Then someone sneezed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy just completely freaks out. And like the guy in the camera box keeps coming out. And he's yeah. like, right at the end of this, I wrote something down. If you watch it again, look out for this because I want to know if it's true. So it's, you've got the clapperboard guy. Yeah. And they're like an off to college scene one clap. And then I think it's the camera guy that shouts, Mark. And right at the end, the very last one he he does, they're like, go to college, scene se- try 17, clack. And he's like, look! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that. For example, the
0: comedic thing that he dies in that booth yeah. was so predictable because the whole thing was dragged out. I personally would have made the choice of not having any more comedy in that scene mm-hmm. because it kind of. You're trying to make this satirical decision to make your own movie kind of awkward and dragged out to show how this process was awkward and dragged out. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that quite gels with comedy. You have to have comedic timing.
1: You have to surprise people. I was quite surprised the guy died. I didn't. I told you. You called it, yeah, I you called definitely it. called it. Yeah. Yeah. Just before it happened, you were like, the guy in the booth's dead. Yeah. I thought he'd like pass out or something, but I didn't think he would die.
0: This is where it's just, the pacing becomes so weird to me.
1: Yeah. I think the pacing in the next scene is where it starts to get really kind of off the rails. Oh, the snake scene? Yeah, when they (laughs) go to the next party.
0: That was the most Tarantino scene Tarantino (laughs) never made.
1: In the trailer, she stands up at the party and she says, Who wants to see me fight a snake?
0: So do you think they re-shot it? I don't know. Or just for the trailer, she said something else?
1: Maybe, I don't know. But in the film, it's not her that fights it at first. It's who wants to see my dad fight a snake? Yeah. Her dad's a super sleazy guy, by the way. Again, based on Claire Beau, So, her father married one of her friends. Mm-hmm. So that's why in the film, the dad is always trying to chat okay. up girls. Yeah. Nearly Leroy's age.
0: wrote that snake scene, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 yeah, so they have this big party.
1: Yeah, I didn't really get the point. This whole scene... Doesn't really tell me any more than I didn't already know. She's going off the rails. She's very self-destructive. She doesn't really like her dad, even though no. she's pretending to love him. Brad Pitt's there having a party. He's now married to someone else, and it really doesn't matter because yeah. he's going to get divorced soon. Yeah. Feel- we established that in the first kind of scene. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like it is meant to be a parallel with the first party. Okay. Where the first party, everything is easy going, Nothing goes wrong really except one person dies, but... Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, 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 just whatever. So, like, everything is easy for people, everything. They're having a good social life. And even, I think, that the failure of the film industry, like, bleeds into this kind of social life. And their social life becomes disjointed.
1: I suppose there's, like, a lot less people at the party as well. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of more of a gathering, mm-hmm. everyone's more civilised.
0: And those two people, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt, who kind of belong in this old world thing, they are the ones who want to take the party up to a next level, mm-hmm. and that's where it goes wrong. Yeah. So I think that's what it's meant to be.
1: Yeah, it's also people got to handle it as well, because Margot Robbie ends up fighting the snake and it bites her in the neck (laughs) (laughs) she's running around yeah great Uh,
0: scream I I noticed it down (laughs) as she she would make a good scream queen
1: and it does something in films that I don't like because I don't understand the point of it and I've never been in a situation where people have done it where people just run in random directions (laughs) like something bad is happening she gets bit and everyone's like
2: ah I can
1: imagine that. And then, literally, people run to the left, and then they stop, and they run back across the camera, and then they run to the right, and they run everywhere all around the place, and it's so pointless. Like, what are you accomplishing there? Where are you running to? Where are you running from? What are you doing? Again, something to my point. Previous point where the minorities
0: handle everything. Lady Faye comes in, saves the day, sucks the poison out She's the only one who knows what to do. I think it was meant to, again, kind of juxtapose all the people
1: who are just panicking and don't know how to deal with the real situation. I thought it was just a plot point to get Margot Robbie and Lady Faye together because that plays a massive part in I mean, the next yeah, few bits. I mean, yeah,
0: that's true. The way the white people and everyone else reacted was an exaggerated way of them showing that they have no skill or no composure to deal with difficult situations. And again, minority comes to save the day. Weird blood-sucking sound effects. Okay. because it sounded like she's slurping from a
1: <laughs> from the bottom of a McDonald's cup.
0: <laughs> and it, it was like one of those like lunchbox, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like a sippy <super> cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I was like, wow, that's even though it wasn't realistic, that somehow made it more disgusting to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Manny, meanwhile, is slowly working his way up. He's now kind of working for the movie studio as kind of
0: he's kind of a producer. Yeah. he says he's an executive. Okay producer, which is usually, I mean, I don't know back then, but today it's a bullshit job. Yeah. It just means that you contributed something that's kind of hard to define. Mm-hmm. Like, you put money to it, you gave
1: ideas, and they just slap you with the executive producer label. It's also kind of like a pay thing, mm-hmm. because if like, if an actor's been on a show for a certain amount of time, you would generally see their name as executive producer, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just so they can be paid twice. Yeah. So, when cinema went from silent cinema to talkies a lot of the actors kind of like fell by the wayside and then they started pulling in more and more actors and actresses from the theater yes because they can act yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> the reference to that was jack's wife yes who came from the a theater background yeah. and he shouts at her and he's very kind of like angry at her because she is a better actress than he will ever be yeah so by now hollywood has really like gone up market yeah and the parties are a super fancy, and they've mm-hmm. been trying to train Leroy to deal with his fancy thoughts. My other favourite scene, <laughs> <laughs> she... We haven't mentioned the um, the gossip columnist, by the way. Oh yeah. So there's a gossip columnist played by Jean Smart, yeah. who I always confuse for Kim Cattrall. I
0: was thinking she looks like um, Dame.
1: What you think, Judy Dench? Yeah, I thought <laughs> she looked like
0: Judy Dench. Um, Cruella Deville. <laughs> and she dresses like that and she looks like that
1: yeah so she's a super fancy lady but she's a gossip columnist I think
0: at at the beginning she was more like yeah poetic and kind of writing poetry about films that's what she does on the set when they're shooting the battle and
1: then later on she becomes more of this like gossipy I don't know the very first scene Manny is told not to talk to her because she's like a gossip columnist. Okay. And it's because he's told, like, if she speaks to you, just pretend you don't speak English. Mm. Okay. From my memory, I didn't realize that Leroy and Jack are at the same party. Yeah. 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 Because Jack's gone away for a month or so for some reason.
0: Yeah, to Europe.
1: To Europe. Uh, And he comes back, and everyone keeps asking him at the party, like, don't worry, man. You'll get him next time. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? You okay? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs>
0: they kind of show him in talking movies. Is that at this
1: point? kind of? Yeah, it's, he goes to see his own film after yeah. this party.
0: What's stood out to me is that he wasn't that bad. I mean, compared to the other early actors, he didn't seem that bad to me. I think he should have played that off more a bit. Okay. Like be a bit more wooden in your voice or something. It didn't feel like that bad for the time.
1: So this is one of the things that comes up later. Mm -hmm. The scene, it comes up a couple of times, actually. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize on on first viewing. The main thing they laugh at him for, because he's terribly acting, they show that later as a scene from Singing in the Rain.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And same as this party as well. So in this party, Leroy's trying to be all fancy. Mm -hmm. And again, from Singing in the Rain... They show a scene where there's a woman and she's like,
0: "Oh, I got not and
1: and they're like, "How oh, no brown cow?" And it's that whole scene is in Singing in the Rain.
0: That's cool. Margot Robbie's fantastic, humorous performance in this, <laughs> where she's told if she doesn't know something, just to say French. That was my favorite bit. And then she just says French, but
1: anything, whatever. Margaret or imitates wiping her ass. <laughs> she gets she gets the stuffed fox. She reminded me of what you ever seen Ace Ventura? Yeah, <laughs> Ace Ventura two. Oh, <laughs> while he grabs it. The famous Monopoly man. Scene. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a whole again like lamp shading, which is like, oh, you look like the Monopoly man. Yeah, they've but made they, him. They've made, they him, made look him look like, like the, the Monopoly, Monopoly man. man, and they. St- Point out that he looks like a Monopoly man, and that usually gets brought up in film discussions. Really, oh, it's the Monopoly man jerk in <laughs> the Monopoly
1: man. Hi, <laughs> oh, he shakes him. He shakes yeah. him. He makes his mouth move. Hi, oh, I'm the Monopoly guy. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred pounds. <laughs> she runs out of the party, and
0: then she feels a bit upset with the tummy, tummy, tummy ache. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes back, <laughs> and then she projectile vomits on everyone and everything. <laughs> she makes sure that she keeps it in until then. She's great. I loved it. I felt like this is more to your point about class divide. Mm-hmm. Manny and Nelly. Leroy. LeRoy. They both are pressured from becoming lower class to higher class. And I felt like that's kind of serving your point of this more about the class divide. And a tiny let's pick, let's pick with Dan. <laughs> There's a weird ADR, you know what ADR is? It's when they, they add lines after the fact. But the actors weren't speaking.
1: Oh, okay. So uh, someone's halfway through a sentence and they'll cut to the other person yeah. in the back of the person's head so they can add more words.
0: It happened when Manny was taking Nelly upstairs to the toilet or whatever when they were, like, discussing things. Yeah, yeah. Like, you need to be more like this and that. We'll, we'll make it. It's fine. And, like, they're shooting them from the back. And then there's no lips movement whatsoever. But they talk so much. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I think
1: even I noticed that
0: at yeah. the time, to be fair. It's funny because, like, this movie is so well made. But there's, like, little bits sometimes where it's a bit shoddy. Maybe because it is so well made. Like, those
1: moments stick out a lot. Yeah, you wouldn't notice that in Guns Akimbo. <laughs> no. <laughs> you certainly would in this.
0: <laughs> no, Yeah. It's just a weird little thing.
1: So everything starts to go a bit wrong at this point. Jack's not having a good time. Leroy's starting to really spin out. This is where Sidney walks out of his movie deal. He's made to
0: do blackface. Yeah. Which is interesting. I never thought about black people doing blackface. I guess it did happen.
1: Manny kind of emotionally blackmails him. Yeah. it's like, okay, so if you don't do this, they're not going to get paid. All of the side people aren't going to get paid. We have to shut down production. Yeah. yeah. And no one's going to get any money if you don't yeah. do it. At this point, have you predicted in your mind the ending for these characters? No. Still no?
0: Still no. I was kind of... I mean, yeah, I knew that things were going to go bad. Yeah. I had no idea about the Matthew angle. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, and the Brad Pitt character was the most predictable. Yeah. And I felt like, ah, oh, just leave that out. I was talking about at the beginning of the review that this movie has shades of, oh, the old Hollywood and putting on a pedestal. I feel like the Brad Pitt's character is that, kind mm-hmm. of embodies that, and that's why he wasn't my favourite character. He is given this kind of romanticised ending and is dragged out too much.
1: You think? Yeah. So this is where... For me, the film starts to pull on like the cinematic heartstrings of yes. the people who love cinema. I yeah, think. that's what I mean, yeah. And it's just a bit unnecessary. Like, There's this whole speech, because his career's going downhill, and the writer lady documents it. Mm-hmm. And the big article is Jack Conrad's career through. Yeah. And so he goes to confront her, and she gives him this really kind of, like, cliche speech about how he's going to die in 50 years or 20 years but 100 years from now his soul will live on and dance on screen with with giants and ghosts and <laughs> it's going to be amazing and...
0: I don't feel like it was cliché I don't think no? I don't think that's the right word I do think it was like very indulgent and very kind of old Hollywood how beautiful and the good old days
1: it's not about old Hollywood at that point it's about people it... in film Their work living on. Yeah, but it is contrasting
0: the the present to the past, I think. And I think it is saying that, oh, your work will live on, so it is with living in the good times. And she does say, like, you had your spot.
1: Yeah, but that's more to do with his acting career. Same as every acting career, like, Mm -hmm. rises and falls.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like it was cliche. I feel like it was very well written.
1: You reckon? I didn't. I thought it was just kind of like, hmm. That's small comfort to someone whose career is over. Fairly young age. I don't know how old Brad Pitt's supposed to be in this film.
0: Yeah, but she's right. Brad Pitt's character should have seen this coming. Like, it happens to everyone.
1: Yeah, but no one believes it's happening. I know, That's the point of it.
0: Like, I, I don't feel bad for Brad Pitt's character. Because he was on top for a very long time. More than most people can achieve.
1: In the film, he's the highest paid actor yeah. of the studio. Even after talk is
0: introduced a little mm-hmm. bit. And I don't feel bad for him. And this is why I'm more on the columnist side, to be fair. Yeah, the
1: columnist is right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: For sure. But it's just the way, like, this whole... Your work will live on after long after you've died. It's just like, Ugh.
0: Yeah, it wasn't just that, though. It was also, like... You had your time and it was it was it was good, but it's over. It's, yeah, and this happens to everyone. Uh, I mean, the content was a bit cliche, maybe, but the delivery and the the way it was written were interesting to me.
1: I did like the cockroach bit in that. He calls her a cockroach, and she's like, "Yeah." Well, the cockroaches survive. Yeah, <laughs> you're a part of the house. You're gonna burn with it. <laughs> Leroy is starting to get really annoying. Knocks on his door, and she owes eighty-five k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't particularly enjoy characters on screen that are like very self-destructive mm-hmm. i've seen people in real life that are self-destructive and mm-hmm. I, I see how they can't stop doing the thing that, that messes them up but i don't like seeing it on screen mm-hmm. because it's just so obvious that i just stop doing that yeah, <laughs> and yeah. your life will be better yeah uh, and it just really grates on me and i can understand like <sighs> She was just doing loads of drugs and it was messing her up but it's the gambling that really irks me that she keeps gambling and she owes $85,000 which in today's money is about two and a half million. Wow. And it's just don't. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, done just, just don't do it anymore. Stop doing it. Put yourself in like I don't know if they had rehab. They did. That's yeah. I know because the belugas went one. Okay. and it was
0: right around that time.
1: Yeah. Go into rehab. Be in rehab and just Sit out the way for a while and sort Mm -hmm. your fucking life out. And then your story doesn't have to end tragically. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know it does have to end tragically for the film and that's where it's going and that's the point. But it just really annoyed me. Like Mm. at this point, I've got no sympathy for her whatsoever. And quite frankly, she deserves it.
0: (laughs) For me, the bigger crime is that she drags Manny into this. Yeah, I think for sure. Because if she was just self-destructive and kind of going down on her own spiral, I think fine. Whatever. Yeah. That's her own life and her own decisions. But she drags many into it who's done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shitty.
1: I'm surprised he doesn't have the money, by the way. you think a movie producer would have two million. Because mm-hmm. he's like head of the studio at this point.
0: But I do have a note that I forgot to say. What's that? On that uh, monologue. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, it, she talks about you'll last forever in film, but... A lot of those films were lost, <laughs> yeah. especially the silent ones, and they, they didn't keep them in salt mines like today.
1: Oh yeah, the film they they filmed on yeah deteriorates very yeah. easily.
0: Now people keep the films in salt mines because that's when there's no moisture. Okay, but even there, after a while, it's gonna deteriorate if you don't digitize it. Yeah, a lot of those silent movies. I think something. I think I read something like something ridiculous, like eighty percent of those are lost, which is silly happened. So it's it's funny because he didn't last
1: until forever. <laughs> <laughs> One part of the film that made you go, oh wow. Do you remember going, oh wow? Or oh wow it's him. Something like that.
0: Yeah it's the it's the guy from Headmaid Style. No?
1: Who's the guy from Handmaid Style? And when is he in this? The
0: eyebrows. He has thick eyebrows. What? His manny's co worker or boss or something like that. He's a new executive and he has like b- really big thick eyebrows. No. He's, he's he's just barely a side character I was just yeah. Sorry, go on. What, what I don't I don't remember.
1: I don't remember. This is when Toby Maguire oh, yeah. comes in.
0: Yeah. I wrote down What's Wrong with Toby's face? <laughs> I,
1: I wrote down Zombie Maguire drives them to the desert. <laughs> Why was his face like that? Because <laughs> he's like so fucked up on drugs. I guess so. But it looked so weird. Did you know he was a producer on this film? I did. Well, I didn't until I read it. Yeah.
0: Did you know he was also almost like Nelly's character? Where he was like a piece of shit gambler. And there is a movie about him. Where, what? Yeah. Where he's portrayed by Michael Sarah. Something's someone's game. What are you? What? I'm not... Produ- I'm not. What, are you, what? Sorry. Apparently, Toby Maguire is a big piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> and he was a big gambler and he lost a lot and he was like into like shady stuff. Right. And there's a film about him. I there's think a film it's got...
1: about Toby Maguire, the actor. Yeah. I, play... Play... I feel Played like Played by called... Michael Cera. Yeah. Right.
0: I feel like it's got Molly's play or Molly's game. Molly's game. That's it's it. a film. That's about him. It's just funny to me that, like, the parallels. Here. <laughs> he was also in uh, Leo DiCaprio's Pussy Posse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. What?
0: No, you are not remember the pussy pussy? Is there some, something tick- tickled in your brain? Yeah, Someone? I thought
1: that was like from... Oh my god.
0: It is very long time ago. It is, but they were teenagers.
1: Is that from entourage or something?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically Leo, Toby, and a few people burned out since then. Like, going around and fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. And they called themselves the pussy pussy. <laughs> <laughs> These are my to- Tobey Maguire tracks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> New special episode, Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Exposed.
0: <laughs> exposed. Everyone knows this already. Did you know? Uh, let's do one more. <laughs> I'll make this into a special side episode.
1: It should be the episode title, Tobey Maguire exposed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when they were shooting the first Spider-Man one and there's a scene where flash thompson is about to punch toby Maguire, and he's like dodging away because it's by the sense the crew
1: oh no i do know you this know yeah the
0: crew gave money to john Manginello yeah, to yeah. actually punch him <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's a big asshole okay anyway toby Maguire exposed segment over
1: Zombie Maguire. This weird underground dungeon.
0: Yeah, I have wrote done best recent Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what the
0: fuck? When you said you wanted to watch a film based on this, and I didn't know yeah, they were singing in the rain, mm-hmm. I said Freaks. Okay. I said Freaks based on this scene. Okay. There is a movie directed by S- S- Todd Brown. God, that's really pulling... <laughs> knowledge deep from my brain the guy who directed dracula There was a movie i always wanted to do is called freaks and it's about circus freaks okay but it's actually like a progressive movie and it's like uh, for the time and it's a horror film where the quote-unquote freaks they come and act revenge on the circus leaders and i thought it was like have some parallels to this kind of thing with lots of like
1: <sighs> weird people <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah so I wrote down a lot of stuff here where there's like people in masks there's people like whipping each other there's like animals there's like an alligator and it's like a twisted version of the first Mm -hmm. scene
0: I think so yeah yeah Uh, you can can see it in steps almost like there's the first party yeah. they're carefree and everything, and there's the middle part which is the snake one. It's just like it starts so good, but things go wrong, mm-hmm. and then the really
1: wrong one. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's certain bits in it, like in the first scene, there's like people spanking each other with yeah, BDSM yeah. and stuff like. That. And then this is a real, like, a really dark version of that. Mm-hmm. And again, instead of the elephant and everyone's having fun and people are a bit scared, there's an alligator. Yeah. People are fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even down to like when. Leroy arrives at the party there's like fire sconces mm-hmm. all around the perimeter mm-hmm. and then when they go into this again there's fire sconces everywhere mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I say it's just this really twisted version of the the first party. Mm-hmm.
0: This is why it would have been good to bring up that Hayes law doctrine because it would have drawn out a more clear distinction where if your society becomes more conservative and think these things are not allowed these things become more dangerous mm-hmm. so it would have been cool to see
1: that explained. There's also, I think it's Toby Maguire in this as well, in this scene yeah. where he's introducing the monster guy mm. and he says about the monster guy, you're already either a star or you aren't and this guy's a star. Mm-hmm. Like again in parallel to mm-hmm. Margot's scene earlier in the film.
0: Yeah, by the way, so we haven't really set this up very well because so Toby Maguire is like a mafia guy.
1: Yep. Again, I I feel like I know he's a producer and he probably had to be in it somewhere, but he's very miscast as this yeah. this menacing gangster guy.
0: He is and he isn't. His kind of faux kindness is a bit threatening. Yeah. But yeah, some something it, the, not quite. I there.
1: didn't quite feel the the darkness from the threats. Yeah. And the same, like he looks terrifying. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. his face is really fucked up and yeah. his teeth are just bright yellow. Mm-hmm. I think makeup has done him many favours. Yeah. That his acting ability has let him down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I have mixed feelings. Yeah. He does come off as like a sociopathic fake kindness.
1: Yeah, it's, He offers them a drink, but it's very much a have a drink or I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, so Margot Robbie, Nelly's character owes money to these people. Yeah. Uh, they, they, That's the, the 85k. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Manny doesn't know how to get the money and they... Who's that guy with the beard? What was his job?
1: Uh, so he is the drug dealer.
0: Oh yeah, he's Margaret's personal drug dealer. Yeah, well
1: he's the drug dealer, the movie set appointed drug dealer. Okay, and he gets the money. Yeah, he's in, called in a the way. Count, or he likes to be called the Count because <laughs> he's always wearing like a big cape, a cl- yeah, capey cloak thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I should have should have had the Bela Lugosi thing. It yeah. fits right in. Drugs, thirties, <laughs> Hungarians.
1: Yeah, so he gets the money.
0: Yeah. Quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was such a Tarantino thing. Which is like this threatening environment and a stupid mistake. And it's like instant tension. Instant tension.
1: Yeah. So, like halfway through, is it halfway through sitting down with Toby Maguire? Yeah. He goes to get drinks. He's like, oh, where did you get the money anyway? Like, it's prop money.
0: Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Toby Maguire finds out when they go down to the weird underground party dungeon
1: <laughs> I think this is the first time we see Manny take action because he's very kind of he talks his way into and out of a lot of scenarios mm-hmm. and when Toby Maguire's security guard starts advancing he picks up like a something off the wall and like rams it into the guy's neck Yeah, and just straight up murders him and I don't think that's explored very well in terms of what that does to him because mm-hmm. he is this nice guy throughout the whole film I feel thing. like there's
0: a dark edge to him. Do you think? I think so. Well, the, uh, in little ways at the beginning where he's as a cowboy, he rounds up all the slummy white people. But <laughs> but later on, when Margot Robbie comes to him...
1: Oh, yeah, because he gets dark at that point. He, yeah. He,
0: yeah, Margot Robbie comes to him and is like, I owe this money. And he just snaps and he starts shouting very, very aggressively in mm. uh, Spanish at yeah, her. Yeah, true, true. I sort I of felt like they had like a little darkness to him where okay. he's like, just under the surface.
1: But again, I don't think it was explored. Kind of like when they run away together, there's no like, I murdered a guy for you. You put me in this situation yeah. where we.
0: Yeah.
1: It wasn't explored, but it was an aspect to his
0: character for sure.
1: This is what you were talking about earlier with the pacing of the film. Yeah. That could be a little bit better because that happens, and it's just really like tension, and they and they escape and they run away, and then it just cuts to Jack Conroy sitting in a hotel, just chatting with his wife.
0: I wrote down drawn out suicide. <laughs> It was so obvious from the beginning. He's just going to kill himself from the beginning of that scene. Yeah. I feel like I brought it down before it happened. <laughs> Especially when he half closes the door and we stay in the door and we just look in. That's like a classic like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Suicide look. And even then, it does two more minutes of him going. I thought he was just going to do door slightly closes on him. Bang. Yeah. That should have been it. But no, but he walks around the room. For he a walks like a around the room a little bit. He gets the gun and he goes to the other room. It's like, oh. And again, I didn't care much about his character, and I felt like the slowness was supposed to be like, yeah, this is like a really sad moment. I
1: felt quite emotional in that yeah? that
0: scene. Yeah, I didn't feel bad for him. I felt like it's on him that he cannot deal with the fact that he's not the biggest star in the world he should have seen it coming and he's been told
1: I, just... I think it's more than that i don't think it's like a depression from him not being the biggest star anymore i think that was his world like he being on movie sets and being you know not uh-huh. just the center of attention but being that guy uh-huh. was who he was as a person and now he's not that person anymore there's no point
0: uh-huh i guess i just can't relate it's just too <laughs> far away removed from me and what I can relate
1: to. You know, it's kind of like if his acting career is over, he is over. Mm-hmm. There's there's not like, oh, no, I'm sad because that's happened. It's like there's no version of him that, that isn't that. I don't know. I just, that felt to me
0: like the most old Hollywood boner kind of. Boner? Yeah, like, a, oh, I love Hollywood and this and that, and it's so sad. And, it's like, even though I don't think this movie is, that felt to me like a most Oscar-baity Kind of okay. aspect of it, yeah. e- even though I don't think this movie goes for that. I think this guy is pretty genuine mm-hmm. in his vision, but that felt like it. Like, I can see that. Yeah, it's just, and I just don't I see Care, that. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Not an old white guy in Hollywood. <laughs>
1: Leroy is being a proper dick because <laughs> she is fucking an- so annoying. Yeah, for this whole thing, because he picks her up and he's telling her like the shit you caused is getting us murdered. We need to run. And she's like, oh, let's go for a party. Let's go for a drink somewhere. I need to get some drugs. Oh, my God, there's some people over there dancing. Let's go dancing with them. Fucking sort it out, woman.
0: Yeah. But I guess I could draw a parallel to what you just said about Jack Conrad, which is that's her life. Her life is being like a party girl, being impulsive in being in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why she does that. It is stupid and it is frustrating. But I wrote down that I'm still not getting any chemistry. Even if they act their hearts out. (laughs) They they like act so hard to Mm. make... Me believe that there's some romantic connection. I just still don't think. I just still don't get it. And there is. I think. I think the movie is starting to communicate that there was always something, mm-hmm. and that, that it was deeper than like a sexual connection. And this is
1: the peak of that. I just from the get go, I just felt this kind of like fascination from his side, and this kind of like friend zoning from from her side. Mm-hmm. Almost like from her point of view, it's more a sibling kind of relationship.
0: You could. You could. We could read it that way
1: did you catch by the way they crashed some like spanish party yeah yeah and did you catch in here as well it's the same dialogue he said i think he says it in spanish but it's the same dialogue from conrad's movie and singing in the rain where he's like i love you i love you i love you i love you
0: oh no i don't know yeah. okay that's interesting
1: <laughs> what did you think about nelly Leroy's final scene i loved it what so
0: just on a visual perspective, I really loved it.
1: Yes, I will agree with yeah. that. Yeah, hundred uh,
0: percent. That's because that's my next note. Dancing in the dark is very good.
1: Oh, did you know she says that at the start? No. Oh my god! Somewhere earlier in the film, mm-hmm. that's what she says. Mm-hmm. She's like, "I'm not gonna like get old. I'm just gonna dance off into the night." Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like a, it's like a very unrealistic kind of night. Very proper. Harsh light and then there's yeah. proper
1: darkness. It's supposed to be like a street lamp and then a dark street. Yeah, but it's, it's very it's set out very well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The director of photography had a win there.
0: And I like the like the silence in there, just so she is dancing in the dark and the silence. And that's it. You don't need anything. And you don't need the poof, bang. <laughs> you don't need that. It's, it's very well done. Okay,
1: so, so on that note, then, what did you think? Because there's a column, there's a newspaper column. Mm did you
0: yeah i think that was supposed to show that because when jack conrad dies he's like on the top top billing
1: yeah, yeah. and she's like in the level little... i think it's different newspapers but yeah like yeah. the first newspapers him massive yeah. jack conrad dies and then three newspapers later it's like a little column yeah, yeah yeah. Nelly leroy dead at 34 which isn't clara Bow's story okay clara Bow just got married and quit mm. just went and raised some kids they drop off the count earlier and they'll say, oh, we're just going to be an hour because he needs to go get some gas. Yeah. And then that turns into Leroy fannying about a party mm-hmm. and then they go pick up the count and they go to his house and the guy busts in the door and he shoots two other guys. Again, very Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that was really very yeah. much like a Tarantino-y type.
0: He shoots the two other guys and many begs for his life. Mm-hmm. I was thinking... And pisses himself. <laughs> and he pisses himself. I was thinking to close out, like, this racial kind of idea that I've really seen in this movie. Would have been cool if this hired gun thinks he's a servant. Okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to kill that guy. He's just a servant. He's not the, he's not the guy I'm supposed to get. I don't
1: think that where they are, because yeah, they're, 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 they're sharing, like, a one-room apartment for that's two the guys. Thing, that's
0: the thing that didn't work yeah, for yeah. that scene, but if you know, if he's in a half a mansion or something, you know, mm-hmm. it could have worked. Uh, yeah, there's more things wrong with that in, interpretation, but I thought it would be a cool kind of thing.
1: Yeah, Manny gets told to get the fuck out of L.A. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. This is the, it's the scene I'm supposed to explain, right? Well, it's not the scene you're supposed to explain, but it's the scene I'm most interested about what you think about it many goes to see
0: Avatar and The Matrix
1: (laughs) (laughs) I read an article in The Guardian yeah a review I should say about this film and the title of the review was the worst ending to a film ever and they hated it there was literally a whole article about how the end of this film Mm -hmm. is crap in their opinion no and how it's this annoying kind of like, again, ode to the golden age of Hollywood. I mean, it is. Although I don't agree with it wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. I do feel like I agree with it partly.
0: It was, oh, before we get into that, I feel like there's one more wink and a nod the um, racial
1: things. <laughs> oh my God, racial so many times in the podcast. <laughs> and, races, <laughs> racism exists, racism
0: exists. Stop being so uncomfortable talking about race. Well, we're two to white guys white...
1: talking about race. It's literally what like most people hate.
0: <laughs> Ignoring it is worse, I think. No, it is.
1: No, it not is. not in most people's opinion. No, most people's okay. opinion is if you're not of that demographic, you shouldn't be talking about not it at stupid. all.
0: Stupid. I'm not speaking hateful comments. Ain't I'm it? analysing a movie that's clearly have some some of that in it. Okay. So. Uh, before the big montage starts in yep. the cinema, Manny is seeing singing in the rain, mm-hmm. and the camera swoops over to the whole audience. Yeah, and I felt like it was very diverse. Okay. and I felt like that wasn't seen before. That like there was the Asian family, there was a black family, last little wink and a nod towards oh yeah, this is like now the fifties, a bit more diversity going on. That's it.
1: So this scene. Yeah. Is what inspired. Killing of someone. (laughs) This scene is what inspired the discussion that I had with you about the state of cinema. Okay. I think I mentioned it in the state of cinema episode where it pulls away from him and it shows. The whole ground, and it shows a really packed cinema, yeah. and how it used to be like this big event that everybody used to go see. So I was looking up a few things about Clara Bow, and 50% of the entire American population went to see one of her films. Wow! At one point, sorry, 50% of the entire female population of America Ooh. went to go see a film.
0: That's even more impressive, somehow, because like. Especially
1: Maybe. she was kind of like this sex symbol type thing at the time. I was,
0: I was thinking more along the lines of that time, the female population didn't have like much uh, money to spare.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's what kind of like made me sad mm-hmm. for this bit, because obviously as we've gone over before, cinema is very much struggling mm-hmm. and I've been in screenings where I've been the only one there. Yeah. And or I've certainly been in many, many, many screenings where there's been like 10 people maximum. Well.
0: Yeah, don't worry. The non two is bringing it all back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that
1: I liked. Yeah. Oh, look at the golden age of cinema. Everyone used to watch it, and I enjoyed that. But then the next bit, where they take you through the journey of cinema from from that point until yeah. the current day, it's just odd like it was this whole film set in like the 20s the 30s later a little bit the 50s and then they show avatar and then you've got avatar (laughs) and you've got like the scene from the matrix where neo finally sees (laughs) them in code
0: yeah yeah i see i see your point and i see i see a point where that is the point of this whole film especially through Manny's eyes that he's helped this whole industry flourish and do amazing things, and that's why they choose Avatar and The Matrix, because they are like kind of um,
1: they're milestones. In yeah, cinema. they're like watershed
0: movies. Almost, yeah, yeah, for in, sure. In terms of technology, yeah, and that's why they show that. Yeah, I do agree. It's a bit indulgent, overindulgent in itself, and cinema, and like
1: oh, the cinema. I don't think it's. I don't even get it. Uh, indulgent. It's just jarring.
0: It was, and it does take you out of the film, but yeah, it's it's a gamble, to put that in for sure. Yeah, yeah. I respect. The guy for it must not have been an easy decision hmm. so yeah and one thing from two hours ago or something three <laughs> hours ago almost um what yeah don't even <sighs> editing um so what i said is that in this scene i don't think the jazz works it yeah, does no, become it's very
1: bouncy kind of it positive
0: ba- it's bouncy it's positive it doesn't fit feel like with the ending of the movie it, it's not very.
1: Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. It. it felt not quite timed in, right. Yeah,
0: this whole s- series of images is supposed to be cathartic. That, like, the movie led up to this, and it's like this big explosion of this is what we led up to. And yeah, the bouncy kind of music that has too much rhythm.
1: Yeah, and then because this is on the last song of the soundtrack as well. Mm-hmm. It's Voodoo Mama, with the one she mm-hmm. dances to. It's that song again. Okay. But then it breaks down, so it's, yeah. it does, it, and then it does this really like. Poof,
0: poof, yeah, it becomes experimental. Birdman jazz a bit. Yeah, well. it's like
1: someone just banging on some stuff and it yeah. doesn't quite fit with what's happening on the screen at this point.
0: Yeah, so for me that bit more didn't work.
1: Yeah, and I it agree been that.
0: Could have been a bit shorter as well, maybe. It's definitely a gamble. I wouldn't hate the movie for this, for sure. I don't agree with those people who wrote the article.
1: No, I just... I... T-
0: it is jarring. Yeah, I... It's not like it's a completely out-of-place something. Yeah, it is out-of-place to show Avatar and stuff, but, like, thematically, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is what the movie led up
1: to. Him watching Singing in the Rain and seeing parts of his life through the lens of that film is enough to say, like, his life and the work he did and the things he experienced going into film. Yeah. I think that says enough without mm-hmm. you...
0: I feel like it became even larger than that. Mm -hmm. i wrote down it's i think it's like more to do with the cyclical nature of movies and history Mm -hmm. like that's what the jack conrad's character is supposed to represent yeah there's always gonna be the biggest movie star and they're always gonna fail at the end when there's new technology some type of movie is always gonna die off and so on and so on i think he sees his world into it and he sees this larger picture of the cyclical nature of this thing he was a part of
1: cool Two right. hour, 45 minutes. Right, so my butt hurts, so we're going to end it there. <laughs> well, we shouldn't do so much in our know, sex. <laughs> I always pressure you for an out of ten or an out of five.
0: I would say eight. Eight? Yeah. Nice. It's not a perfect movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. But if I just go by the, how much I liked it, it's definitely an eight. Okay. Which, how much would you give it? i like a seven. Okay.
1: After watching it the first time, I'd give it like a six... Okay. after watching it a second time and then seeing all the callbacks and seeing all the... Especially the bit, like I say, where at the very start of the film she says, you know, I just want to go dancing off into the night. Mm -hmm. And then that Mm -hmm. later, Mm -hmm. just little bits like that, just give it at least one more point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the way you introduced it the other day, I felt like you
1: didn't like it at all. Uh, I liked it. I just... I remembered the ending Mm -hmm. more than I remembered the rest of the Mm -hmm. film. I remember... uh, walking out of the cinema and being like what <laughs> right at the end <laughs> i'd love to have that experience i love that what
0: but to be honest it wasn't a what it wasn't like a motor drive it was pretty clear or what it it's was trying to yeah, say. It's
1: like but you know you're just walking out being like why did i just see a clip from avatar <laughs> why have i just seen a bit from the matrix i feel like there's more films that are in there that are, they're certainly the most bizarre compared to the rest of the film yeah, yeah, yeah. but it does travel through I mean, cinema in that scene, there's a billboard in the background because mm-hmm. they show Hollywood, and there's a billboard for, like, Jackass 2 or something. Really? <laughs> wow. It's something like that, I can't remember. True cinematic masterpiece,
0: Jackass 2. I love this movie. I'm genuinely happy that you showed me. I was very happy with it. I really want to watch it again. So, what are we watching next? Well, you know, because we're having our Damien Chazelle month, <laughs> we're watching we bad, Plash. Bad drummer teacher. Bad drumming teacher, <laughs> Okay, Weeplash. His first movie? Either that or uh, Cloverfield Lane, 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Listen out for this month. We're going to do a Halloween episode. Yep, uh, a double Halloween episode. It's going to be fun to edit. <laughs> uh, go to patreon.com slash to support us
1: £1 a month. £1 pound a month gets you an extra bonus episode. Every month. So, one pound is an, at least an hour of content. Yeah. Or roughly an hour of content. Yeah. Come on, you got some loose change. Come on. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> Give it to us. Look behind the sofa, <laughs> then digitize that money somehow. <laughs> and then send it to us. <laughs> exactly. And then follow us on Instagram on I Hate movie. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Goodbye.
0: Three hours. <laughs>
2: <clears throat>